How we doing guys? It's Fit of Food Radio episode 121 and it's me, Matty Boy Whitmore with the one and only Karis Marsden. Hello. You alright? Yeah, you? Good. <laughs> so guys, hope you're looking forward to another episode of Fit of Food Radio 121. I can't Adam and Eve it. We're churning them out. <laughs> well, that wasn't hard compared to our poor release rate before, was it? We go through phases, don't we? I don't think it's sometimes, again, we've mentioned this before, we do record a lot of episodes and then go, I don't know why we did that. It was rubbish. That was terrible. Because we're too tired and we're just like waffling on. Maybe we should release that and say at the beginning, disclaimer, this is a waffle episode. Well, you know, in like, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure you're going to learn anything from it. <laughs> you know, at the end of some films and they've got the outtakes. Should we just like release all those episodes that we thought were rubbish, but just release them anyway, just be like it's an outtake. Yeah. You might, you might, <laughs> yeah, you might, you might find some, <laughs> some good stuff in there somewhere. <laughs> but uh, we wanted to talk about something today that's a very, very serious subject, uh, a subject that Keris and I have both had personal experience with and something that you know, I'm really sad to say, I, I think he's on the rise with, you know, the increasing popularity of social media and influencers, if you will. And that is orthorexia, which is essentially, could you say as a definition, uh, an unhealthy relationship with being healthy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're good, definitely. Um, you know, i.e., you know, dieting, exercise, in a quest to be healthy. And I think, and I'd, I'd say that most cases of orthorexia, and it's certainly how it started for myself and, and you, correct me if I'm wrong, was with a positive relationship with, with health that just essentially went too far. Yeah. It just became much bigger than what it was intended to be. You know, it was a case of, for me, it was like, okay, here's my how much exercise I'm doing. I'm just going to do more, more, more. And nutrition-wise, it was like, oh, here's what I'm eating. I'm just going to eat less, less, less. And developing phobias, like in my case, it was I was incredibly fat phobic. Like, you know, couldn't possibly eat anything with like, not, not completely fat-free, but anything that had like a substantial amount of fat, i.e. nuts, avocados, absolutely no way. Like that, I would have touched it. Yeah, but yeah, that's just to kind of give you a an example from my side of things. Yeah, I think they all kind of start from. Uh, well, I think one of the really useful things to to begin with is is in terms of finding a, a definition of orthorexia. It is, as you said, it's kind of it's, it's that combination of when being healthy is just beginning to dominate your life. It's dominating your thoughts and it's really starting to influence or even govern your actions and your decisions. And it's actually manifesting in, as you've just said, almost like a, a negative effect on your health because it's it's causing you lots of concern and anxiety and worry. It's making you perhaps, you know, socialize less. Mm -hmm. It's making you ignore feedback from your body which could be anything from kind of fatigue to injury to hair loss to, you know, like poor dental health and all these kind of things that start to develop as a result of maybe nutritional deficiencies because you're actually starting to exclude and eliminate mm -hmm. or because you're scared in some ways as well, so many different food groups. And whilst, uh, you know, we've often kind of talked about things like elimination diets can be helpful in, in a healing process, the ultimate goal really with your nutrition is to, to get it to a place where it's kind of very varied, very nutritious. And also there's nothing that you, you, you kind of, you, you, you're scared of or that you eliminate necessarily because mm. unless you are something like, you know, um, celiac and obviously gluten, you know, have to, you have to hundred percent eliminate yeah. that. But other than that, you know, if you go out and have a pizza, there's no attachment to that food. There's no yeah. guilt. There's no, consequence that you fear as a result of consuming it and what I would also say is there's almost kind of like a, it's so difficult to define orthorexia 
against something like someone who just has a, a, a obsession with dieting against someone who has an obsession with their body composition and, mm-hmm. and being slim and, um, and someone, and then you've obviously got the kind of more extreme, uh, end of the scale, true eating disorders like orthorexia and bulimia. And mm-hmm. you could, you would receive a, a, you know, a diagnosis of those based on yeah. your symptoms. But this kind of gray area in the middle is where there are now, as you've just said, increasing numbers of people mm. due to social media, due to kind of pressures. And I see it a lot in my client base. I actually also see people who've had an eating disorder who have now kind of recovered from the eating disorder, but still sit in that kind of orthorexic type of behavior. So they, yeah. they actually start to exhibit a lot of kind of characteristics. There's still that element of, they say, well, at least now I eat, but I still have to control what I eat. Yeah. So they still do fear things like, you know, or they've still labeled, sorry, certain foods as unhealthy versus foods that are healthy. Mm. And it is quite hard because then you've also got some people like ourselves, I think on some occasions, there'll be groups of friends that we could be around who think that you and I are obsessed and orthorexic because we, we don't want to have the foods that they might have. And when I notice this is if I'm with friends for like an entire weekend, I might have something like a bit of sourdough bread, but I know I'll get to a point where my gut will kick off if it goes, if it goes, you know, like there's a pizza, yeah. then there's a sandwich and there's some wine and, and there's, there's a some... pizza sandwich. <laughs> it just all gets a bit out of hand. <laughs> Dipped in beer. <laughs> but some of my friends will eat like that constantly for three or four days yeah. and they don't have any symptoms, but I know at some point, usually my digestive system will go, uh, no, no, you know, like uh, that's, you're not having that. And it, and then that kind of will affect my mood and I won't feel too hot off the back of that. Mm. And I just know that certain foods are better, work better for me. So I will go out with you and I'll eat a croissant and I'll go and have, you know, some alcohol, but I also know I have to stop at like two glasses and some people yeah. think, oh, you, you know, you're a bit square, but I'm just like, no, no, you don't understand. Like I will not sleep if I, if I go much further than this, like, so you kind of know your body. But, and- but that, that's the difference though, isn't it? In that we strike a healthy balance, you know, like you just said, you know, we nutrient dense foods, best part of the time. And then we, eat, you know, well, whatever the hell we want occasionally. You yeah. Know? But at the same time, like we wouldn't not go out with friends because of our nutritional preferences. Yeah. If you know no, what I mean, no. like, we wouldn't be like, oh, no, 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 can't possibly go there because of blah. Like, we'd, we'd be like, well, we'll find something yeah. that we like and yeah. we enjoy and whatever, you know, whatever it might be. And I think that's the difference is that if you're now in a place where you're almost, it's affecting your kind of social health as a result of this kind of, I suppose, like a obsession, if you will, with yeah. being healthy and, and and not eating certain foods and only eating a particular way, blah, blah, blah. Again, this happens with diets where people don't eat the food that their families are eating. And that's why we kind of made such uh, an effort with all of our recipes to try and make them, you know, kind of very tasty and family, family friendly, friendly yeah. but help people who do have that genuine need to create a calorie mm. deficit because we want them to be healthy. And, and, we, and that's why we've always talked about just the side dishes, you know, for the kids, they could have maybe yeah. this, but but for you more vegetables and that's going to help, you know, but the, the main is the same and things like that. But I think, and like you've just said, if you find yourself constantly eating on your own because you want to control mm. every single element of your food, that's definitely a sign of, um, you know, possible kind of orthorexia. And I am kind of loath to give it that term because I don't want people to contact us or panic because I've had parents contact me absolutely panic stricken and say, I've been reading about orthorexia. I saw this headline and like my child fits that definition and my daughter. And it's definitely, and and I've actually had several kind of teenagers as, as clients and some have definitely fit that definition, but some have genuinely just try. they're just genuinely trying to be healthier. And so they have actually said to their parents, you know, I don't want to eat. It might be, for example, some of them have said lasagna with with all the cheese and the meat. And I'd, I'd rather have something like, and, and I think this is really hard because I can see where they're going. So one of my clients was saying, when I eat these foods, I get really full and sleepy. I have this at school and I get really mm. full and sleepy. So I've said to my parents and the school, I don't want to have these foods. I would rather have something like a quinoa salad, which is apparently was the vegan option. So she'd actually been going for the vegan option at school a lot more. 
which turned out to be things like quinoa salads and, and whatnot and, and lentils. And, and, and it was her parents that thought maybe she had some kind of eating disorder because she wasn't eating, you know, the kind of lasagna or the fish yeah. and chips. Her weight was actually maybe just kind of just becoming slightly underweight. But what I actually felt was the problem here was that the, the school was either you're either having fish and chips or you're having like a quinoa salad. Yeah. Where was the, the, the middle ground, if you see what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Where was something like just, yeah. I don't know, steak and potatoes and salad or something, do you know what I mean? Or veg, meat and two veg, like fish and two veg. I was a bit yeah. like, there is a bit of a middle ground between you're eating bird food or you're eating, <laughs> I don't mean it's bird food, because I like quinoa salads yeah, yeah, as well. But, I, but, I see what you're saying, but there yeah. was a lot missing from the vegan options, like yeah. as in there was, there was a lot of protein missing and things like that. So... I think also this can come down to if people don't want to eat the kind of certain options, they're not left with much choice as well. Mm. Um, anyway, that's just, just a kind of interesting example. But I think when you look at the actual condition of orthorexia, it's it's more that kind of emotional side Absolutely. where there is that, that fear, that guilt, that that side of it. There's a, actually a few self-tests that you can do online. So if you put orthorexia into Google, there are a few questionnaires that you can do, um, which will ask you a lot of questions about you know, do you feel this need to control food? Do you prefer to eat on your own? Do you prefer to, uh, do you label foods as healthy and unhealthy? These are the mm. questions that they are kind of asking. And I think if you're listening now, and this this sounds like it's, it's um, okay, you can feel yourself developing these tendencies. I think it's important to not necessarily kind of get into a panic and think that you have some kind of condition or disease, but just as we've said with most health issues, stop and think about, okay, what was the root cause of this and what is driving it and yeah. what can I do to get some help and support in the matter? Yeah. It's, it's a real tough one, isn't it? Because I feel that a lot of these things are kind of come down to education, you know, like, you know, like if I knew back when I was kind of going through my orthorexic phase, if you will, back in my teens, if I knew then what I know now, then it never would have happened. Yeah. But then, of course, I was a teenager or I was young. There was no way that I was really going to know yeah. what I know now. But I'm in the industry and, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and whatnot. And I do feel that back when I was a teenager and way back when you were a teenager. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, I went a bit over your head there. You're just looking at me. <laughs> um, I told you, you I still think I'm 16. <laughs> I am a teenager. What do you mean? You're, you're, as, you're only as old as you feel. <laughs> but back then, you know, you didn't have social media. You didn't have like so-called influencers. You know, yeah, you had famous people and, and they were influencers, if you will. And in a way, I suppose, to a degree, how things were marketed back then was what had a big impact on me, which is why I went down the whole like fat-free, low-fat route and that I would quite happily smash a bag of sweets because they were fat free, but I wouldn't touch a packet of macadamia nuts. Yeah. Because they were predominantly fat. And, yeah. You know what I mean? And even back then, it wasn't even, a, I didn't even think about calories. It was all, it was, it was just about fat. Yeah. As long as I saw zero grams of fat or a very low number of fat, that was all that mattered to me. Yeah. And in a way, like, thank God, because if it was all about calories as well and whatever, then yeah. it could have been even. I think I did them all. I think I did. Oh, the full shebang. Yeah, it's I did. got calories in it. I did. I, and did, fat. I did calories initially, and I used to write on a piece of paper all through the day how many calories oh, were in everything. This has ingredients in. <laughs> like, do a giant math somewhere. I was just listing yeah. down the numbers, and then I used to top them up at the end of the day. Maybe I was trying to just cling on to a little bit of ignorance. <laughs> yeah. If I don't look at the calories, then it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. I'm, just... I'm sure there's like a different way that, that I'm sure everyone approaches this very differently, but I'm sure. I don't know. I suppose as a woman, I was influenced by a lot of like health magazines and diet magazines yeah. and other women There's, around me that yeah. I was watching at work and when I was working at Quick Save. And I'd watch them all talking about calories. So I picked up that di dialogue kind of in my late teens. I didn't actually, I couldn't keep weight on until my late teens. So I didn't even think about it until mm. actually my weight changed a little bit. And then it, I was like, okay, I need to think about this. So calories, I think, was first. Then like you, fat free. And then like you pushed the fat free because I was like, well, I did full fat milk on my cereal, went to half fat milk, then went to skim milk. And then I was like, well, why even bother with milk? I'm like, so that's how bad mine got. <laughs> so it was just wow. dried bran flakes in the morning Jeez. with a few, I used to count the almonds I'd put on top and I'd count the raisins that I'd put on top. 
And then when my housemate wasn't looking, I'd have a spoonful of her Nutella just to try and make myself feel a bit better. Wow. <laughs> That's how bad mine got. That's hilarious. Um, and then I went through probably a carb, kind of low carb phase next. So, so it did, it, it just, And that was because my parents were doing Atkins and so I started to pick up on that side but, of things. But this is the point, isn't it? In that it's quite easy in a way to be led down a particular path based on what you see around you, what you're reading about, you know, what you're seeing on the TV, on social media and whatnot. And and I think what I have realised is that it's not just kids that are kind of vulnerable. Like adults, you yeah, know, yeah. grown-ups are still... Really vulnerable. Really vulnerable. And, you know, I, I'll give you a classic example. Like one of my clients who is is older than I am still kind of has like a obsessions with what certain celebrities are doing yeah and they'll be like oh you know yeah but i was reading in men's health that so-and-so does this and i'm like right okay cool good for him (laughs) yeah you know like and (laughs) hamish is dreaming about a a little dream (laughs) he's growling (laughs) um and i think blimey like because now like I'm, i'm you know i'm in a very very different place to what i was 15 years ago or whenever it was when i was kind of going through my phase and and now I'm like, you know, like I know what I know. I've got like a certain level of education and yeah. and whatnot. And but also you see this in I, I actually see it in people who are now training to become a personal trainer or a nutritionist or a nutritional therapist. Is again, this this is where it, the lines get blurred a little bit because both you and I we've said we we want to be healthy and we eat foods that support and you know nourish us, give us energy. But I definitely see. I can kind of spot it a mile away now as well. There are people out there in the public eye telling people kind of, you know, this is bad and vilifying things. And yet you can tell from the tone of that article and the statements they're making about food that that is somebody who has some degree of orthorexia Mm. because they are so kind of adamant that this, you know, there's, there's, there's healthy, there's unhealthy, there's bad, there's good. And, you know, and even just to look at some individuals when I've gone to events, you can just see somebody looks like they're borderline in terms of their body composition is borderline, maybe underweight as yeah. well. And so you can kind of see it when you see somebody physically. You know, this can kind of also manifest in terms of the lifestyle habits, the, you know, not being able to not exercise, not being able to, uh, you know, kind of guarding your sleep routine. So, so kind of viciously that you're like, uh, you know, I've got to get home at a certain time and I have to get my eight hours sleep and you know those kind of things when it all becomes so kind of military and regimented and I also think now there's there's ways that you can disguise these tendencies by almost going into that industry so if you are a personal trainer it's quite acceptable to train about three times a day which basically will do probably more harm than good if you're not doing it for a reason having you know a lot of recovery and good nutrition around it yeah and then similarly some people go into things like bodybuilding and physique competitions and that is almost like a form of kind of you know it can be not all but some women I've spoke to have said their drive was purely because it was kind of well it just wanted to see what my body was capable of it's a really positive thing you know yeah. I, was, I, was to- I was working under a coach I was totally ready to let go of the six-pack in you know in the, in the off season and mm. then I was ready to go again and and I was just in awe of my body and then other people have, have openly said it's like had an eating disorder and then I kind of got into strength training and then I went into body composition um, competitions. It's like, I'm not sure that that was the right thing for those individuals because it's kind of like everything about them is, is about image and physique, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah, a very, yeah. not, I don't want to say the word, um, some people say, oh, it's narcissistic because it's, it's kind of about you, but it's not that it's narcissistic, but it's, it's all the the entire focus of your value and your ability is how you look. Mm. And my goodness, has that been the one thing where for the last 10 years of running our business, I've been like, don't look at me. <laughs> like, it's just like, yeah. I just want you to listen to what I've got to say. Yeah, but that, that, and, like, uh, and that's why I struggle with social media a little bit because I'm like, I'd rather not be up there. I'd rather you were just listening. Just, you know, I, mean, I want to teach. Yeah, I don't want somebody looking at my physique, if that makes sense, and saying like, but then equally, this is kind of a bit waffly, but there is an element to which all of us look at somebody who's delivering health information and want that reassurance that the person is healthy that's delivering that information mm. as well. So uh, there's always that mild pressure. Oh, of course there is. Of course there is. But I just think like there needs to be, 
Oh, I mean, it is tough. It, it, <laughs> if, you, if you became Matt Tenshin's Whitmore, we'd be like, well, exactly. really? how's exactly. that fit right. food working for you? It, but it's precisely yeah. that, isn't it? It is, it is yeah. precisely that. Like, you need to draw the line <laughs> somewhere. You're like, you're like <laughs> admittedly, I put a post up the other day and I had a big old fry up. I had a big session in the gym and I just thought, oh, yeah, so I'm going to have a big fry up in uh, Bill's. No, not Bill's. Boston Tea Rooms. Boston Boston tea pie. It's irrelevant. It's not relevant because I'm giving a recommendation. <laughs> right. I highly recommend the cooked breakfast at Boston tea okay. pie. Okay. Um, if there's one near you. And I just put it up on social media, like, you know, and I my usual thing, like, you know, it's all about balance, blah, 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 which it is. And uh, someone commented, it was like, oh, I see the balance is slightly leaning in favour of like a fry up like, yeah. today. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, like ever so slightly. And it, and it was. So you could argue that, you know, I could be like, yeah, it's all about balance, it's all about balance. And then like 10 stone later, I'm like, I'm like it's all about balance. To be fair now, I think you've got to stay in, in the social media, like you've got to stay in, in the public eye is what I'm trying to say. Not that you're like a celebrity, but you've got to be slightly in the public yeah. eye for accountability because it's the only thing yeah. that ever makes you put the ice cream away every now and then is like... Oh, my chins are getting, like, you always say, like, my face is getting puffy or I'm getting a double chin, like, I'm going to pack it in now. But you, if you were, like... <laughs> just, yeah. If I no don't way. know, if you were just, like, living in some kind of, like... If I didn't have to do, like, Facebook Live... Yeah, would like <laughs> what, you be... Yeah, I don't know. I think you need but, it. <laughs> so I suppose my point is, though, is, like, the, the balance has got to kind of, like, go both ways in yeah. that... I'm sure if I, like you, if I did go the other way and put up a fry up every day or a tub of ice cream every day, it's all about balance, it's all about balance. All of a sudden it'd be like, well, Matt, it's not really that balanced because you're doing it every single day now. It's not it's not this occasional treat you make it out to be. But when you're online, when you're, you have an, I think everyone has an element of influence and you can always have an impact on those that are around you. You know, your immediate friends, your immediate family, as well as those kind of you're connected with online. And I just think that, there is an element of responsibility with what you put out there, especially if I mean we're we're you know we're we're not huge or any by any means you know we're not we're not celebs in the social media world you know whereas some people have got you know hundreds of thousands of followers, millions of followers even that some people will cling on to every word that they say, and if they came out and said carbs are bad, you know these people that don't know much better would be like oh my god. Carbs are bad. You've got to ditch carbs because so-and-so says so. Or, you know, this is the best, best exercise you should do. You should do it every single day, blah, blah, blah. People would be like, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, well, you look great. Yeah. You've got loads of followers. Like, I'm going to listen to that. And and that's when I'm a bit like, you need to be able to put information out there that you believe in, of course, 100%, even if it isn't correct. You know, if you think it is, then that's, I suppose, what matters at the time, I guess. But you need to be open to correction. But that's another matter. But my point is, is that we all have the ability to influence those around us. And we just need to be very open and very real. And the reality is social media, for the best part, is not real. Yeah, It's not real. And I just think that there needs to be... I think we could all change this by thinking about who is it that you follow who is it that you, and, and all of us are becoming a bit more like, even I feel myself doing this, we become like voyeurs. Like we don't actually interact that much anymore. We just like scroll through like mindlessly, you know, probably spending more time on there than we should do, waiting to find something that, you know, is going to be interesting. And I think what we should could all start to do, because it's not going anywhere. So yes, you can say, well, I'm going to walk away from social media. And I know people have come off it altogether and yeah. said, I don't want it in my life. And that's fair enough. But you could also be part of it and influence this whole infrastructure positively by firstly sharing things that make a difference to you. So those people that you read, like, and trust like their stuff, which I'd stopped doing for a long period of time. I was just scrolling and I was like, wait a minute, like this person's put something up here that I think is really good. I need to like it. Like I'd stopped doing that. So I started to like interact a little bit more and actually do something positive on there and say, I like this and I'm going to share this. And I think this is good. I don't do it a lot because I'll go through a phase of having no time to even be on there. But if you are on there, think about who you're following. Do look at things like their credentials. So look at things like, you know, are they qualified, for example, or are they actually just 
you know, there are lots of social media influencers out there who don't have any qualifications in nutrition or health or even, you know, the kind of personal training fitness side of things. Whereas the people that I follow and listen to are people I've known for the last 10 years who are people who've been running, you know, kettlebell courses and, you know, kind of bodyweight training course, you know, like just the people who've been around, you know, that they're, they're, they're really into things like BJJ and they've just trained all their lives. And mm. like, I'm very kind of, I'm careful about who I follow. And when it comes to nutrition, less and less, because there's just so much kind of personal bias in there. Mm-hmm. I tend to look at kind of key people that we've, we've had most of them on this podcast. So I, I like Tommy's work. I like Brian Walsh, I like Chris Cresser. I love Rob Wolf. actually recently. He's been putting some really good stuff out. He was the first person to ever kind of bring the paleo diet to, to my attention. But even so, you know, it's kind of a template we use now and yeah. we've, we've kind of, you know, we've gone beyond that quite a bit. Paleo-ish, Paleo-ish. <laughs> and, and beyond Paleo Plus, whatever we might call ourselves. And I think there are certain people out there that I still trust and I still read what they're putting and I like what they're putting. And I still think they're very, you know, kind of objective in a lot of ways, despite having, they're very open about their personal biases, but they put a lot of information out there that is going against a lot of the kind of social media trends and a lot of public health kind of dogma against, yeah. you know, vilifying salt, vilifying red meat, you know, vilifying sugar and carbs and things like that. But they also go against a lot of the kind of rubbish on social media, which is like, this supplement's going to save your life. Get this powder. Mm. It's amazing. You know, and they kind of, like, where's the research? Where's the science? So I think you've got to think about who you follow and, you know, their credentials, their experience. Do you, Can you trust them? And I think everyone needs to start editing their social media a little bit. So some clients who I have will talk to me about how social media sets them back a little bit because they think they're doing okay. They're moving forward, making progress. And then they see a post and it it triggers guilt in them. And then they go back and start repeating habits and behaviors that got them into trouble in Mm. the first place. And so it's, it's, well then, okay, why don't you edit your newsfeed and maybe just nothing to do with body composition and diets and stuff, maybe more mm. about mindfulness and like but, purpose. And, but and that in itself is quite a difficult thing to do yeah. because I'm following quite a few people of late. It's like my new f- favourite uh, pastime. Uh, it's just to be like, yeah, unfollow, unfollow, <laughs> this is brilliant. Like you don't offer me anything. And, 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 and that, that's like, not me saying like, oh, I know better. I, there's a lot of people that I started following on Instagram, for example, who I might have read about in an article or in like a men's health or some kind of fitness magazine. And I often start following them, I think sometimes out of pure intrigue to kind of see what they're doing. I think at one point when I was trying to grow our social media presence, I thought, well, for me, it makes sense to look at other people that are quite popular, seeing what they're doing, seeing if you can get any kind of like hints and hints and tips, I guess, for not the content specifically, yeah. but, you know, how, the, how they do things type yeah. thing. And I'd go through it and I'd be like, but this, okay, so a shirtless picture, like, okay, that's inspirational maybe to a degree because it's like, okay, yeah, you're in good shape, fantastic. But after a while, you would be like, oh, oh, another shirtless picture with actually like zero context. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, you're basically just a model that's yeah. just posing this doesn't bring me anything, unfollow. You know, whereas... I actually look at like selfies that people do, male and female. Female, I don't know. I mean, you've done some amazing selfies where you've actually done the whole kind of, where they kind of like tilt the hip and like stand on one tiptoe and like slightly angle the bum towards the camera. And it's like, you you do it amazingly actually. And, And as in to kind of, basically take the rip out of people Just doing that, joke, that sort yeah. of stuff because I look at that and I see some amazing I do actually see some really intelligent people in our industry do it and I'm like please don't do that <laughs> please don't, like, is, don't lower yourself to the hip tip and the there's little nothing wrong with a, <laughs> tiptoe there's nothing wrong with the odd selfie and do you know what if you've got it flaunt it and all of that why not but I just think for me it doesn't offer me any value. Yeah, yeah. So for me, like if you're there and, you know, like, for, like if it's a bloke with his top off who's just, you know, looks in great shape and is very lean and has just had an awesome workout and then maybe shares a tip with something that he's doing at the minute, a particular type of training or whatever, I'd be like, oh, okay, cool, that's quite interesting. You know, well, that I like that concept. I like that idea. I might give that a try next time. There's an element of value there. Mm. Whereas after a while, how inspirational is it just seeing another topless pick I do genuinely find it hard when people have actually 
done a certain position or slightly opened their mouth and done a little pout. Oh, yeah, don't go And there. it's like, the steel was what, it? Well, I'm just smiling for a photo. Oh, honestly, like... Gone are the days. Call me old-fashioned. I think just, we, should all add, we should all add our parents, siblings, nanas. Maybe but most people's are on their Instagram, because but if you have a business Instagram, and, and that, that aunt or uncle that completely rips you to shreds when you think that you are, like... Yeah. <laughs> Some kind of. Do you remember as a te- I think I was like as a teenager to have like brothers and and my dad yeah, because yeah. if I what even tried, yeah, basically yeah. they would just completely go. You were near the end. Of it. What are you doing? Yeah, but, and that's who I always. I don't know. So I always think like just be real, like and just and also we we our generation grew up with cameras where you never knew what you looked like and you took it. We took selfies and never even knew if we were going to appear in it. If you remember, <laughs> I've got loads of selfies oh, like, with a Kodak with like all my friends. Yeah, Disposable. it's basically like four foreheads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like. It's almost a selfie, and it was only a selfie because you wanted you with your friends you, you never took a selfie because there's a good chance you wouldn't have even been in it like yeah, necessarily it was, it was potluck. <laughs> yeah but i just think like we, with social media the reason i said it's kind of quite a hard thing to do is that if you're scrolling through social media and if someone's posts or whatever have the ability to make you feel bad about yourself that's not their fault it's your fault to yeah. a degree because no one, you know, I don't think anyone posts content to, to go, I just want to make a load of people feel bad about themselves. Yeah, yeah. They post it because they think that they look good. They think that it's going to, you know, inspire the, the people. The algorithm of social media is going to favour it, and, you know, and, and, and these, it gets the reinforcement. It, these people, people like are, it. Yeah, exactly. These people yeah, are yeah. popular, and it's, but it's energy each to their own. But I just think you as an individual need to be able to go, okay, does this inspire me? Does this add value to me? Or does this actually make me feel pretty crappy about myself in, in my current state of mind? And if the answer to that is yes, then I think you need to go, well, do you know what? For now, I'm going to unfollow you because it's not actually bringing me any value because of where I'm currently at. Maybe in the future when I've kind of like, when I'm a bit more confident yeah. and, yeah, yeah. and you know, I've got a in bit a more knowledge and, yeah. and, and whatnot. But I just think that, that that's for kind of you to make that decision and funny enough I did a post about this on Instagram stories the other day in that like no one should have you know the power to make you feel bad about yourself do, do, do you know what I mean yeah like but the, I think when you're actually thinking about kind of body image self-esteem and confidence the most powerful situation or the the kind of I don't want to say you know like the goal or whatever but when you're looking at kind of transitioning your mindset you need to be able to feel almost kind of like you can go into any environment and confidently do things like choose your food, um, say yes or no to, it might be kind of like, I don't know, a drink. Or um, if people are saying that they're going to go and party all night and you know you don't want to because that affects whatever you've got to get your sleep, you know, you've got to be able to confidently make decisions that, that work for you and not be altered by the pressure or the guilt um, mm. that goes with it. And also you know, kind of have that element of like, just, just be able to kind of detach and let it go. And I, I think uh, somebody that I saw this week as a client, we had a long discussion about this because it's almost like you can be around, it could be part of your work environment. It could be part of your home environment. It could be part of your relationship with your partner. It could be part of your friendship groups where maybe they're on this journey where they are absolutely obsessed with health and nutrition, exercise, whatever it might be. And you have to almost kind of separate yourself a little bit and start to figure out, well, what works for you? What balance are you going to strike? And then you've got to detach. And it's it's very hard. Even I've gone through kind of phases where, even with me and you at times, when when I've wanted a dessert and you've said, I'm not going to have a dessert. Do you remember we've had all those kind of, yeah. I'm like, you're going to make me feel really bad if I hate a dessert. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. And now it's a bit like, you have to know I'm that like, you can. Right, I'll have a dessert then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll indulge together. Just to make you feel better, I'll have a dessert. And similarly, when one of you wants to drink and the other one doesn't want to drink, and it's like you've got to be able to make that decision for yourself and and not be, as I've said, like constantly trying to appease others or, or blame others because then you end up kind of blaming other people, you know, and but say, the, well... These things do take time, though, don't they? Like, yeah, you know, we're, that's about confidence. And, absolutely. And, and and I just think, you know, it's, it's not something you're going to be able to do overnight it does come over time but you need to be open to the idea of it and open to kind of change and and taking 
steps towards, like Keris has said, like, you know, maybe unfollowing people that do make you feel a bit crappy about yourself at this stage and and being able to start making decisions that that work for you, not 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 against you as such. And and I think, I mean, I'll give you some classic examples. It's it's you know, I had met up with a friend of mine towards the end of last year, one of the UK's probably like, you know, biggest like CrossFit athlete, Zach George. I went to his gym in Leicester. And I'm a naturally competitive guy. And you even said to me beforehand, didn't you? Like, you were like, go careful, because I know how you can get carried away in these circumstances. But I'm at a point now where I know my body, I know my capabilities, and I know when I when I can push and when I can't, Yeah, you know, because it would probably cause me a mischief. And, I, you know, I went into this workout just like I'm just going to give this my best shot. And, you know, CrossFit, you know, if you ever see clips of it, people are stood around, they're watching you, and there's this element of, not like, I suppose, good pressure in a way, because you're like, you know, it makes you want to kind of dig a little bit deeper. But at the same time, I just thought, like, I need to be, if I stop now, that's on my terms, because I've chosen to, because I know my body. It's not me being weak. It's not me being lazy. You know, it's just me going like, I'm happy with what I've done and I'm good right now. Because if I go anymore, I know I'm going to risk hurting myself. Whereas... You know, you go back even just a few years ago, I know in that situation, I would have allowed the presence of others to get the better of me. Yeah. And I probably would have hurt myself, you know, yeah, got yeah. injured and, and whatever else. And and even going back to when I was kind of in my kind of orthorexic phase, I remember once when I bought my first ever tub of protein powder from like Holland the Barrett. Never had a protein shake before, but I'd read about it in all like the magazines, you know, oh, whey shake, whey shake. So I got myself this tub of whey. And um, my nan said to me, because I thought, oh, whey, it's low in fat, so I'm protein. This is what I'm meant to be having. And my nan was like, what you got that for? Oh, because it's, you know, it helps with bulking you up, like building your muscles and this, that and the other. It'll make you fat. <laughs> and bearing in mind, like I was at this, like, <laughs> I was like deep in my orthorexic kind yeah. of like thing. And I was like, what do you mean? Yeah, I've read about it. You know, it makes you fat, you know. Uh, and a friend of mine, she she was using it. Oh, no, her grandson was using it and said he got really fat. So straight away, <laughs> I'm like, felt guilty for the protein shake I'd already had because yeah. I got in and oh, kind no. of necked one. Yeah. And then threw it in the bin. Because at that time, my nan had that influence over me because my nan was older. Yeah. She was wiser. Yeah. And like I said, you know, it didn't take much when I was in that kind of headspace. Yeah, yeah. Because that was my biggest fear. Yeah. Was getting fat. I didn't want to get fat. I wanted to be lean and muscly and whatever else. And I just thought, but she had that. Whereas now I'd be like, yeah, whatever now. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, on, that, on that subject, actually, I think what's quite important if you're kind of assessing, I think it's really good that you stop and you reflect about how far you've got with health. Yeah. And sometimes it can even be that you go and ask those around you just for kind of like their honest opinion. Now, again, to your nan, anyone who doesn't eat bread has a problem. Like, yeah. so there are some people where their opinion... <laughs> you, <laughs> you're still following that silly diet. <laughs> so there are some people where it's like, you're so so far removed from kind of like just eating a, a standard diet of so many processed refined carbs that, that you are going to look weird and it looks like yeah. you're obsessed with health. But ask those maybe more kind of trusted sources about whether... They think that you're you've maybe gone too far, or you're kind of taking things too seriously, and you're developing kind of you know you can you can reflect yourself, and you probably know that you've got fears and and anxieties around food, and it's it's dominating your thoughts. It's all you're thinking about. It's kind of like what's for breakfast, what's for lunch, what's for dinner, those sorts of things. And again, if you're doing things like tracking, tracking food, tracking macros, weighing food, these are all kind of signs that maybe it was necessary at some point for whatever your goal might have been, whether that's to be eat enough food for, you know, training a marathon or something, or maybe because you're trying to calculate a calorie deficit because you did need to lose weight, but then it goes past that point where it's become, you know, mm. very easily becomes um, obsessive. And I think it's good to look at, is there a problem? And maybe do some of the self tests that, or look at the the kind of validation tests that are online. And then you can start to think about, okay, what was the root cause and we've just spoken about kind of our background experiences on this podcast. Okay, what was the root cause? How did we end up in that position? And with um, functional medicine, 
you tend to look at, I love their kind of approach to looking at um, identifying this because it's what are the antecedents to somebody developing a health health problem or a dysfunctional disease? And the antecedents could be when you're thinking about orthorexia, for example, it could be as simple as you being in a gym, looking around and seeing all these people, you know, mm. or it could be, you know, that your parents constantly talked about addressed your your body composition or you know bullied at school um parents dieting those kind of things would all be considered almost like antecedents because they would predispose you to think in a certain way mm. about your body and what it should look like and 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 what you should eat or shouldn't eat and what your general behavior should be around health so these would be kind of you could you could have a little think about antecedents and and lots of people talk to me about you know being overweight as a child is a common one because there would be lots of references made to that from siblings to school friends to parents maybe yeah. as well and that starts to really alter your own kind of confidence and body image and again watching parents and watching your parents dialogue about themselves so many other clients I've worked with have said my mum constantly said I need to lose weight, need to lose half yeah. stone. I'm overweight. I'm I'm going to Weight Watchers. Oh, look yeah. at me. I'm on the scale. <laughs> like, oh, can't eat that. Can't do that. Or they just like, I said to you, even just kind of sometimes watching my mom, I used to think, why does my mom have like an eighth of what we're all eating? <laughs> like, yeah. But until I developed a weight problem, I didn't really, didn't mean anything to me. No. It was only when I started to gain weight that I was like, oh, I need to mimic mom's behavior now. Mum doesn't eat as much as we eat mum weighs herself a lot you know, like that's when you start to think well how do I fix this solution this is how my mum does it or this is what my dad does yeah well because when you're younger like <laughs> you you think that your your parents are geniuses yeah, they, they know everything they, they, yeah they do you do you know and, and they're and, the authority figures and about that sort of thing it's like yeah and I think people forget that like of course you're not gonna you know as a kid like if your mum's like you know my nan had been like uh Oh, wait, whey protein make it make you fat. You know, you know, I'm not gonna turn around and say, Well, you know, and can you provide me with the uh the studies that back, <laughs> yeah. back, back that statement up, please? The randomized control yeah. trials are whey protein. Until you provide evidence, I'm <laughs> not interested. You know, you don't do it, you're like, Oh god, it like you know, it's, it's my it's my, land, it's my wise old nan. <laughs> yeah. You know, she's like two hundred years old and she knows everything. <laughs> she worked in a biscuit factory. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, and, and, and yeah, so you, I think again, you know, that is, that is something that you've got to factor in because I don't, these things don't just happen overnight. You don't just wake up and go, oh, I'm fat phobic. <laughs> you know, like, that's what I'm going to do. That these things kind of build up based on, I think sometimes your subconscious, like the information that you're taking in without even realizing. And, you know, at one, at one point, it was all about low fat, wasn't it? Well, I was going to say... And that we, was everywhere. We talked about this recently on a... I'm sure we mentioned this uh, on a previous podcast where I was saying I've been w- watching the work of Dr. Bruce Lipton, who talks about from the age of being born to seven, you are in a state of what he calls almost like hypnosis as a child. All you're doing is watching everyone around you mm. and observing. And I remember when I would be that age was when the first kind of government... Well, I don't know actually when the first kind of, not the first government health guidelines came in, but but kind of public health messages that were around at that time, my mum listened to. And she even says now, she remembers there was a lot about sugar because of tooth decay. Yeah. And she said it was just starting to be like, you know, kind of supermarkets were just popping up. And she said it was, she was very conscious of it. And that and things like squash and fruit juices were, beget, were becoming more readily available, but there was right. also a really good public health campaign about it. So as children, I always remember things like, Fizzy drinks were were a tree and a packet of crisps. It was like limited. And it was a uh, Ribena tooth kind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I used to make that all the time. It's fine for to me teeth. It's fine. So there was that kind of like, like you just said, almost like a subconscious kind of uh, messaging that was, was going on. And like I said, as a child, you're probably absorbing some of that and thinking about healthy and not so healthy. But Again, I think the message I was really lucky to have in my family was a lot of moderation, you know, mm. so there, there was definitely kind of, and then at weekends we were a bit, mum and parents were a bit more relaxed. And, but now you can think, so that was the kind of antecedents that we just talked about, but it's very good that you mentioned, you know, this comment that your nan made, because what you also see in a lot of people when it comes to orthorexia is what it might be more like a triggering event that mm. really sets them off. Like this moment where they go. So in, in in disease, we call it like, I've never been well since because maybe you get food poisoning or you go on holiday or you move into a damp flat. But from an orthorexic perspective, it could be something like somebody literally 
says something really awful to you or you, um, you you hear a lot of people who go for jobs, for example, as in physique-based jobs. Models talk about this and get told they're too fat to be a model mm, or yeah. it might be that you do a weigh-in for a competition for anything to do with sports and you're, you're not the right weight and, you know, you have to make weight. So we've had, I've had a few a female kind of people who work in the in the fitness industry who actually were trying to make weight for an Olympic lifting competition yeah. and ended up with real issues then trying to, you know, in terms of their, just their relationship with themselves and their their kind of perception around their weight yeah. changed at that point in time. Do you ever remember when we went to um, Budapest to become, to do the Russian kettlebell challenge? Yeah. And I'm so lucky that I never read the material that they sent before the course. And I've always been like this. I'm just too busy and I rock up without knowing. I had no idea. Do you remember we were going to be weighed and that yeah. the number of reps you had to perform on the snatch test was <laughs> was, was based on your weight? Because kilos, I think I would have like really been altered by that information if I'd found that out. Like, dropped 10 kilos. <laughs> just like, and you could have justified it because yeah. I would have been, I'm not doing that many snatches. And I end up being the heaviest woman there at the weigh-in. And part of me was like, stood on the scales of the only woman there. And I was like, I weigh the most, which means every other woman could use 12 kilos for the snatch test. And I had to use a 16 kilo bell. But actually part of me was like, sod you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And I did it. And, and luckily then I had three days of being absolutely beasted and loved every minute of it. Yeah. We had so much fun, didn't we? Otherwise that environment could have easily derailed me quite a bit about how embarrassing was that? You know what I mean? To be the heaviest yeah, woman yeah, there. You know, those those kind of things. It's like, oh, you, the fat, I've got the fat bell. <laughs> the, the fat girl's yeah. bell. <laughs> you know, I wasn't fat, but just that kind of thing. When you're just compared to other females, you know, next to you. But so a triggering event could be something like that, like a, a, kink, a kind of single incident. And I also think it doesn't have to be about your physique. So as I've mentioned, for me, going to university and I think it was like a culmination of things, but I suppose even not getting the, the A-level grades I was meant to and ending up on a different course with different in a different accommodation, all those kind of things, getting really homesick. And that led me to kind of control food. And it gave me this sense of like, you know, it will have given me endorphins because I was actually kind of starving myself in, mm-hmm. in some ways, but it definitely made me feel better to be able to control my food and exercise. And, and an, another big factor, which I haven't mentioned, was being in a relationship where I didn't feel valued and, and safe and secure. And so um, the, the relationship I was in would often, this person would often kind of cheat on me with other women and they would often be very slim women. And so I was like, well, if I'm slimmer, this won't happen, you know. So those kind of things. Yeah. And then also we, we mentioned before getting that positive reinforcement when you lose weight can also be mm. a trigger for you to go beyond what is healthy. Yeah. And I think this is really common with people who lose significant amounts of weight. So I've had friends who've said negative comments for most of their lives, even from their parents and, and you know, siblings and uh, peers, and then they lose weight and people will not stop saying how brilliant they look. Yeah. And then they can't stop. They just keep going to the point of yeah, yeah. it well, gets dangerous. Well, do you know, I uh, I remember seeing a post from a guy who, I, I won't mention his name, but it was a very honest post. And this is a guy who's in the fitness industry, personal trainer, uh, does a lot of kind of, um, not bodybuilding, but, you know, like physique competitions. And, you know, and when he was on stage, you know, you'd see some of his photos, you know, you look great. You look great, you know, great physique, very lean, very muscular, very athletic looking, the kind of thing that, you know, you'd expect to see. Mm. such an event or, you know, on the front cover of a magazine and whatnot. And uh, he did a post a few years ago now about uh, being, a, I think it was a Body Power Expo, but he was in his, uh, his, in his off season because obviously you can't maintain these ridiculously low levels of body fat all the time unless you are just like a genetic freak yeah. <laughs> in that way because yeah, yeah. some people genetically are lean all the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, great for them. You know, maybe yeah. to a degree, but so he said he got a lot of comments of people saying, "Oh, you're not as you're not as lean as I thought you was going to be. Like you're quite soft looking." But rather than him kind of, I suppose, having the confidence to be like, "Yeah, but it's off season. Like, I'm bulking. You know, I'm I'm trying to like you know put on some size. I'm not fussed about being ridiculously shredded." And the funny thing was, is he still looked good. Yeah, he just yeah. didn't look ripped, like right. ready for a competition, but. He openly said, like, I didn't have the self-confidence to be able to take those on the chin and be like, yeah, but of course I'm not 
stage ready because I'm not on stage. I don't, yeah, yeah. you know, I haven't got a competition for however long. And it's he, he's sunk him into like a a depression, and he kind of went the opposite way to where he actually with them was like seeking comfort from food and putting on more weight, yeah, and yeah. then he kind of like brought it back again, and then it happened like then it happened again, and all of a sudden, like this guy who if you just saw a picture of, you'd be like, he's in great shape. He's, you know, he's got it all under control, was actually a very unhappy person who had a really unhealthy relationship with food, with training, with his physique, with what other people thought of him and his physique. And I, quite honestly, I thought, mate, like that's, I really feel for you because I can totally imagine how that must have felt. Like, mm. I'm in a very different place now, you know, but that has come with experience. That has come with like, you know, like uh, a development of like my education, my knowledge. And with that has come greater confidence in that, you know, I'm not the leanest guy in the gym, but you know what? I don't want to be, you know, I'm not the strongest guy. Fine with that. Like I'm at a point now where I'm quite happy with my free pack, (laughs) you know, like it it does me and, and I can perform well, you know, I'm relatively strong. I can train how I want to train. And would I sometimes like to be a bit stronger? Yeah, but I'm working on it. You know, would I want to be a bit leaner? You know, pro- probably when our holiday comes around, <laughs> you know, I, I might do a, a, a things a little bit differently, but I'm, I'm in a very good place now and I'm very, very grateful for that. But I suppose you could say that that is our mission to help everyone else out there who's who listens to our podcast, who follows us on social media, buys our books, follows our recipes or whatever it may be. It's all about empowering you to be able to make these decisions, to not be able to, to not allow others to have power over you. Yeah, based because on, otherwise then you're so vulnerable to being triggered and triggered. Exactly. And like you just said, it does it can swing in between the two extremes because some people will also kind of, you get that kind of risk-based behaviour with things like binge eating where you're mm. like, okay, I just want that high of like, start it, I'm going to go and yeah. do. Or, you know, maybe again in life, you're kind of, you're, you're bored and you've got kind of other needs that are not being met. So you seek that comfort in food and then that triggers you back into like, right now I need to diet and yeah. to starve and overtrain and like control my food again. And it becomes like a, it takes over your life. It just become it can yeah. become, and I've seen this, on so many occasions now where people are just making it a full-time career, like researching this stuff, Mm. diets, supplements, a best way to lose weight. It's like, it dominates their dialogue with other people. I listen in prep to, you know, women talking sometimes when I'm be working in there and it's like the conversations can just revolve around how you look and, and your physique and and training and the toning and your core. And I'm just like, this Mm. is like, one day it's all going to disappear by the way as <laughs> well like yeah. not i'm not saying that like you know but, but at some point people are going to stop looking at you like that's probably a given like you're yeah. going to get to like 60 70 and you're not going to be that attractive anymore yeah. i'm not no that's not that's not that's mean to say that because you can be extremely attractive at that age i didn't mean that but i suppose as in you're not going to be um I don't know. My goal is is really to try to always be known. Not like I don't. I, I, I don't care how I look when I'm older. So as long as I can move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Even now, I don't mind. Even now, I don't like focusing on on how I look. And and I've often talked about this on our blog. I've done a blog about kind of body confidence and said like I I want to be healthy and I want to um, even sometimes the way I dress, I'll wear loose fitting clothing because I just don't want to think about mm. it. I just want to be healthy. And and for me, obviously, kind of similar to you, that that background of like overtraining and undereating and dieting and trying to trying to fit in and trying to get that external validation of like finally she's strong enough, she's lean enough, she's got a six pack, like we'll listen to her. Yeah. It, it like it really did nearly wreck me from from every kind of perspective, mentally and physically. And so to be healthy like you've said it has to be first of all I have to be confident in in my knowledge and what I'm doing what works for me stop seeking that kind of acceptance and status through others yeah and you know kind of the triggers will always be there and it's you know to be able to not be triggered by them is much Mm. more powerful and the last component that I have mentioned with that the functional medicine model is what's driving you in that direction so what is mediating this response in you from 
stopping you from being able to reverse it, prevent it, or, you know, kind of escape it or, or, or kind of, you know, seek treatment for it might be yeah. another way of looking at something like a, a kind of disordered eating pattern. And that is a case of doing that assessment of, we just talked about, is it your, your relationships? Is it, is it the job that you do? You know, uh, I've had people say that they're leaving the fitness industry because they can't be in that environment that's so kind of maybe slightly orthorexic in nature because it's mm. all about, you know, eat this way, train this way, take these supplements. You know, it gets a little bit aggressive at times yeah. in certain environments that you place yourself in. So is it that you need to move away from that? And a nice way to almost flip the situation Again, this is something I've heard Brian Walsh talk about before is when it's all about kind of you and your physique and even the kind of types of happiness that you look for, it's all about kind of hedonic happiness. So mm. it's, it's reward, be that in, um, you know, kind of, I don't know, exercise, smoking, drinking, however you get your rewards or food, it might be. It's very easy for that type of drive in your life to make, to, to kind of compromise your health. Whereas if you start to think about something bigger than you, you know, kind of the greater community, a greater sense of purpose, or even your legacy, like what's going to be known about you once you've disappeared. Yeah. That kind of focus can really transition you to a better place with all of this. Yeah. Because you start to think about volunteering, um, you know, doing good things for other people. And these give you a real kind of sense of worth that you might be lacking in terms of confidence and self-esteem. Yeah. They give you a role and a status that doesn't require a six pack or you know, like well, great yeah, biceps exactly. or like amazing feats of strength and fitness. They give you a community that's supportive and and very reciprocal. Reciprocal, so it's not like, oh, you know, you're so gorgeous, we love being with you. It's like you are so giving and and helpful, and you know, you know, like that. That's why you're you're revered and liked by that community. Of course, not, not because you're just pretty a bit attractive and yeah. popular. <laughs> like, that only get you so far. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, think about whether you need to kind of adapt your hobbies, your lifestyle, your focus, your spare time, and start to do those kind of things instead. And that's why I'd often say to my clients, you know, get some support for the the situation that you might be in. So it could be that you go to something like, there are lots of charities, whatever country you're in at the moment and listening, if you just go online and look up eating disorders charities, um, there's various different ones that will exist that you could go to and they will list lots of resources about where you can get help with things like yeah. counselling and psychotherapy and talk all of this mm-hmm. through and look at, you know, with that person or with that kind of, therapeutic intervention you'll talk about the antecedents and the triggers and the drivers and they will help you identify some of them that you may be able to change which yeah. would be again very powerful for, for both you and I kind of running our business has become very much that for us where we've got that different sense of purpose that greater good that kind of community that we are much more is much more important than me and you having abs so like, of course, like, or like lifting really heavy bells and it's definitely got me to be important these things are my foundation to be physically fit and able to move and eat well is is important as a foundation and sleep but it's it's not the reason i'm here um so the no, reason i'm here is exactly to help and it's like I, I can tell you right now you know i would much rather be able to do what i'm able to do physically now you know, and, and have the energy to do so than to just have a shredded midsection. <laughs> you know, like it'd be nice. Not string, have, not string a sentence together. If I could, yeah, <laughs> but it's true though, isn't yeah. it? Like, because I know that, you know, you, you see some pictures on social media and you can see these guys are like trying their hardest to, I mean, they're tensing for their, you know, like their life depending on it, yeah. but they're almost trying to make it look like they're not. Yeah. And it's like, you now just look weird yeah. because you, it's quite clear you are tensing. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that if ever I'm having a topless shot done, you know, I don't like suck it in a little bit. <laughs> Who doesn't? But I don't like tense and, but, and try and give the impression that I'm relaxed. Yeah, do, yeah. do you see what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. But again, this comes from, you know, I'm, I'm quite a confident person. Like I'm, 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 I'm happy with how I look. I'm happy with how I feel. I'm happy with how I train. And but again, as you well know from my story, it hasn't always been the case. So less of the kind of, oh, it's all right for you and all of that stuff, because it's not. We've been on our own journeys and that's exactly what it is with this kind of thing. It's a journey. And I suppose a good thing to end on would be that kind of going back to what Keris had just said is make sure you speak to people about this kind of stuff, because there's nothing wrong with kind of acknowledging 
that maybe something's not quite right, that maybe there is a bit of a problem. Maybe you have developed a bit of a an unhealthy relationship with food, with exercise. And it, you know, I urge anyone, if they think that, to just reach out and speak to to anyone that they feel that they can can speak to, you know, including us. Like if if you want to ask us any questions and talk to us about this, please, please, please reach out. And I and I one hundred percent mean that. And I know that Keris will back that statement up as well. And in fact, like we've already, you know, we've already had a, f- a few people contact us about similar kind of things. And I'd like to think that we've had a positive impact on them, you know, just because of our own experience and and what worked for us and what kind of like got us out of that that hole, so to speak. And but a big thing comes down to education because the more you know, the more you can understand and the more you can appreciate. So you can always reach out to us on, you know, on our, on our Facebook page, on Instagram, info at fitterfood.com. And we'll, well, we're, we're here. We're here to talk to anyone who's got any questions about this whatsoever or any concerns. Um, and like Keris mentioned earlier, you know, if you're maybe a parent that's got some concerns about uh, one of your children, yeah, like we, we can certainly try to help where we can there or maybe point you in the direction of some other resources that might help you. Because as a parent, it's it's tough. You know, I've spoken in the past about how my nan and my mum had very different approaches to how uh, towards me and my kind of orthorexia, if you will. My mum was very much kind of like, don't make a big deal out of it. You know, let him kind of like work through this on his own. Whereas my nan was almost trying to force me you know, like you'll get fat, you know, like <laughs> saying things that she probably thought was going to help, help help me yeah. actually had a negative impact on me. And that kind of caused a little bit of a, an issue between my mum and my nan because my nan's like, he shouldn't, he needs to be eating this, he needs to be doing that. Then my mum's going, just leave him and, and blah, blah, blah. So <laughs> nan was going, he's got a bread deficit. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah well now she'd say that, but back then I didn't have any any issue whatsoever smashing bread. Usually it was fat that was the problem, just no no more butter in my sandwiches. But yeah, do just do reach out because, you know, that in itself is is quite a big step. I think one last point I want to make is always be reflecting on what's going on with your body. So as much as you might think that you are being healthy and out there now, there are lots of kind of what I would call, you know, kind of orthorexia in disguise type things. It could be that you say you're doing something for your digestive health, some kind of elimination diet, or maybe you've decided to eliminate animal products, all these kind of things. But if you notice that you're, as a female, your menstrual cycle isn't healthy as a as a male, things like um, both male and female libido, and obviously as a, as a male, things like your your morning erection could be a kind of sign and symptom of, you know, you ha- don't have enough things like healthy fats or you're not getting enough energy. Um, hair, skin and nails is a really good reflection. So they can start to kind of reflect quite quickly that you're lacking in certain key nutrients, mm. energy, and obviously just mood. So if suddenly with for no reason whatsoever, you experience things like, you know, very low moods or lack of concentration, lack of motivation, you know, sudden kind of changes where you get quite, you know, anxious or or even maybe aggressive. These are all signs of maybe kind of low energy levels and therefore you... you What you said there about fats and stuff was really interesting actually. And because a point I actually wanted to make previously and then I think I got sidetracked as as always (laughs) was that I think sometimes having a, a better understanding of what each macronutrient group does you know so your proteins your fats and your carbohydrates and actually seeing how important they are towards optimal health can really really help in the you know if i again if i knew back then what i knew now about how important fats are in the in the diet i certainly wouldn't have like <laughs> eliminated them you know in the same way that a lot of people now are very carb phobic who maybe don't quite know the importance and, and the role that carbohydrates play in their diet to support the exercise, to support the demands that they place on their body. You know, because it's quite common for people coming from uh, a place from being actually overweight, reducing carbohydrates in their diet, losing a ton of weight, but then all of a sudden pinpointing carbohydrates as the reason why they were always fat before. Yeah, and because because yeah. because when they took them out, they lost loads of weight. So now they they couldn't 
possibly imagine going back to where they were. And to a degree, I obviously 100% understand that because they've just put two and two together. Remove carbs, lose weight. You know, this makes sense. But then they're lacking in energy, their mood health's affected. Um, going back to social health, it affects that because they don't want to eat out with friends who want to meet up at a pizza place because they don't just want to be the one person there maybe eating a salad or, or whatever it may be. But then when you can actually sit down with someone and say, but listen, for you to do what you need to do, here's why carbohydrates are so, so important and why they'll be of so much benefit to you. Then explain energy balance and understand, you know, calories a little bit a bit more. Having that knowledge will hopefully help you make better decisions. Yeah. Definitely. Further down the line. Sorry to interrupt you. No, 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 no. Just yeah, same same point. So when you realize yeah, when you do that reflection on like, okay, these symptoms are developing the further I go down this route and uh, as you just said, it, it's you shouldn't be vilifying any any no. one foods, and then they don't. The more I kind of see this done on again in the media and social media, we are as human nature. We just want to think about one thing that we can then accuse to be the root cause of all evil on on Earth, and it just. If you understand the, if you even get a, a kind of basic understanding of the physiology of the human body, it can't be one thing because it's not just what you're eating, it's how you're thinking, it's how you're moving, it's how you're sleeping, and it's the people that you're spending time with, and it's what your little gut bugs are doing, and mm. they need lots of different nutrients as well. So it is this kind of complex kind of ecosystem that exists, or, or whatever you want to call it, but also kind of, you know, the complex interactions between your internal different departments within the body. So never kind of think, you know, as I said, it's, it's very, you know, you want to be in that place where you can go and eat a croissant in the sun with your partner, smile and enjoy it and know that it doesn't make really any difference to your health. And preferably one each. <laughs> Not sharing. What's that all about? <laughs> Nothing drives me mad. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get a croissant. Do you want one? Oh, I'll have a bit of yours. Oh, will you now? <laughs> <laughs> So, on that note um, but no guys I hope that's uh, been of help to you any questions as always please please reach out we're always here to help where we can and we will see you awesome lot in episode 122 bye bye see ya bye